fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, then talk about how people are marrying their sisters to get into North Dakota State University with my friend Caitlin. Great. <laughs> how are you, Caitlin? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, have you ever considered marrying your siblings to get into university? That's gross. No. <laughs> Not at well, all. Why is that what Ezra did? Oh, well, no, but you think somebody else did it, and we're going to get into it. I just think that people need to know that we, in fact, have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Imperial News. Please donate if you can. We enjoy money because it allows us to do this podcast. So help, help us do the podcast. And now enjoy the Imperial Roundup. <laughs> Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. March 4th. This is the day after Super Tuesday. Yep. It's a disappointing Super Tuesday, I must say. So Ezra wants to talk about the state of Democratic Party politics. Mm, good topic. Right. And I'm not going to play any of the things he says, but I got the long list of hit all the fine points of what he says about each person. So he starts by saying he likes Tulsi, but this is why he likes Tulsi. Because she's cute. Oh. And was involved in the military. Oh, okay. So there's like a, a two for there. Yeah. Cute military. Ezra's in. He then describes Tom Steyer as cardboard, and that's all. <laughs> that's not wrong. <laughs> You're going to find it in a lot of this. I actually don't think he's wrong about a lot of it. I think even compared to Joel Pollack, who he gets on his show all the time, I feel like Ezra has a far better understanding about this stuff. Yeah. Where Pollock is too tapped in, I think, to like the the I'm trying to think of what the word is. He's too tapped into wanting his team to win that he's like worried. He's trying to do eight dimensional chess stuff. Where I think Ezra is just calling balls and strikes because yeah, he's Canadian and he doesn't have a direct. Effect okay, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He then uh, so Tom Steyer is cardboard. And then he makes fun of uh, Bloomberg, and he specifically plays a clip of Bloomberg licking his fingers while eating pizza, and is like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree. That's pretty gross. And then he also plays the clip of Warren destroying him during the debate regarding his NDA policy stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, cool. I agree. Bloomberg is uh, skeezy, and I'm glad he dropped out. Then he calls Pete... Buttigieg, he calls him an Obama clone. An Obama clone, yeah. And basically says that he's trying too hard to be Obama. Sounds right. And he also doesn't believe him that he wasn't involved in the Canadian bread price scandal. So I agree. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with all of them. And this was this was actually my favorite thing. He goes, he (laughs) he mentions Amy Klobuchar. And only plays the clip of her saying, uh, what is it? It was during one of the debates. And she's like, the thing that people most confuse about me is they think that I'm boring. I'm not. <laughs> and then he, he just kind of goes, hmm. And then just, <laughs> 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 I'm just like, yep, that's, that's how I feel about Amy Klobuchar. Wow, it seems like you're agreeing a lot with us yeah. this week. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He barely talks about Warren, except that she's a left spoiler. And this was before she dropped out. But uh, I'm I'm a little bitter that she hasn't endorsed Bernie yet. 
if she, she said she's not does. going to endorse someone. She did say that? Yeah. When did she say that? Like yesterday. I don't think that she said that exactly. Katie showed me an article about it. Well, she said she was going to take time to think about it, but no, I don't think she, she said fully... that she was isn't going to come out and endorse people. Hmm. I think it's because she wants to play like both sides to get a VP position. That's weak as shit. Yeah, I think that's what the the goal is. Oh, and I've even seen on Twitter people commenting on that, like, why would Warren? Why do people assume she's going to endorse Bernie? That's well, it's not like, a, it's not an assumption that she will or she won't. It's more like she should morally do it. Yeah, no, but <laughs> I, I'm not. That's not what I'm trying to say. No, like, I'm just trying to say like people have been coming out talking about it. Yeah, I was under the impression from things that I've read today. I haven't read specifically what you've read, but I was under the impression that she hasn't committed to anything. And so that's left a lot of people to speculate what she's going to do. Because there was even people today that are still waiting for her to endorse Bernie. So either they haven't read the article that you found, or that article is vague enough that people are still leaving the hope of Yeah, but I don't know. He then uh, goes on to the two front runners and he describes Bernie as authentic and likable and he describes Biden as likable but with dementia okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ezra does say Bernie is relatively clean and I guess what he's getting at is in terms of scandals and the like basically saying the only thing that people have on Bernie in terms of scandals is that he's a socialist with three houses yeah. yeah, which is like, and like two of them are cottages. They're not even really houses. No, no, they're like vacation homes. That like, if we're gonna be honest here, a lot of middle class individuals own. So it's like they're the fucking hypocrites for even calling that out because they yeah. probably have like two fucking cottages up north or something like that, right? So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a very like great gotcha, but like yeah. that's that's the only thing that he brings up about Bernie. However, for Biden, he brings up the Ukraine stuff with mm-hmm. his son. And also the fact that Hunter Biden went on this China trip with him when Biden was VP. And like, there's this like nepotism issue, but also the worry about uh, corruption. These are all actually good, good points. I mean, you could bring up the hypocrisy that like there's nepotism going on right now in the Trump administration, as well as corruption that Ezra just. Yeah, but that's not Ezra's fan base. Exactly. But it's the point is, and like that does worry me. It's like all these like liberal people that just were all up on the resistance uh russia gate impeachment stuff Mm -hmm. decide to elect the person that like trump's already been spending money to dig up shit about him in ukraine yeah because he figures that's gonna be his opponent well i think he figured he was gonna be his opponent like way back then yeah but like i don't think bernie's gonna win no neither do i at this point but bernie i think actually does if people actually thought about it, has a way better chance of beating Trump than Biden does. Yeah, of course, but yeah, no, he, he isn't going to win. I just my hopes is that uh, Biden has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, just a massive one that he survives from, though, because I'm not that malicious. But he just can't run. Yeah. So I'm the one thing that I'm curious. I feel like he's gonna. So tomorrow in our timeline is the. Uh, Michigan, Washington State, all that fun stuff is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it's not looking good for Bernie, according to the polls. That can change. Things change quite frequently. 
So we'll see. But even if he fails tomorrow, I'm hoping he still goes through with the debate on Sunday, I think it is, March 15th. And that might do damage if Biden really is seen to be as inept as everyone is saying he is. I just hope Americans really love to have two more, four more, sorry, years of Trump, eight whole years of their lives under Trump. Well, I think a lot of these old people are just like, we just wanted Obama. We just want things to be taken care of that we can just stop thinking about it. Where I feel like a lot of them think that Bernie's going to be too much because what he's asking for is everyone to get involved. Not me, us. Let's work. Let's fight this system. And everyone's just like, I'm too exhausted. All this Trump stuff has got me so tired. No, I just think that Americans are, you know, they're they're more conservative in general as a crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the polls, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Socialism, even like on the left, is a huge buzzword that just gets everyone in a frenzy on the left in America. Like, even Canada. We're pretty pathetic compared to other countries. Even, like, Bernie as a candidate is laughable compared to some of the left politicians in, say, Latin America or even places in Europe, right? So it's like, I don't know. Like, I I don't feel bad for America, to be honest. You guys are digging your own fucking graves. I guess what I do feel bad for is because America is such a powerhouse, although, you know, China and India are catching up. Um, (laughs) uh, It's affects everyone in the world right like they have more say and more influence and i think that's the problem i I almost feel like in that sense like other people from other countries should have a say in american politics like it's like you what you do with your your stock market affects my stock market affects my ability to afford goods affects my ability to have a job affects the wages i get paid my wages get set from the way you set your wages and people don't realize that there there's this echo effect that America has. It's like when the 2008 financial crisis happened, it was like an echo effect into like Canada, Latin America too. They had crises going all over and that is because of the States and how much of an influence it's had over these years. And it's just like, how is that fucking fair? Right. And that's another, yeah, yeah. that's another thing too, is that we don't really focus on, we tend to focus on like countries or like very location specific things, but a lot of these things are connected, right? Like they're not, they're not separate from each other. And that's why another thing I think is flawed about democracy, right? Is I think my vote here is only changing this specific geographic landscape. It's not. It affects people from like the very local specific all the way to, to the entire world. And you're I can even say a, argue even into like space and you're yeah. saying we need a global government. And then you no. a globalist. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the next step is people are going to say, well, there already is one, the Illuminati and like there's a secret, <laughs> the secret order or something like that. Like, and no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say the way we have democracy right now, especially in a globalized world makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's weird. Like, it's weird to think that everything, business, stocks, uh, jobs, labor, right, Technolo- technological growth isn't localized anymore. It's all mm-hmm. interconnected. So why isn't politics and democracy? Well, it needs to be. I mean, like, I'm a big fan of, if not globalism, a kind of international left movement that, that takes... Oh, my gosh, I know, right? Like... 
But it's like part of the issue is that we're not going to get anywhere close to that unless we start. And, and you know what? Like, I mean, you talked about about the uh, America being like conservative. You know what it is? I feel like this is the dying gasp of the boomers because you look at all the younger generations and they're opposed to this. They're just outnumbered by these people that won't fucking die. <laughs> and I don't mean to be like mean to them, but it's like you've had your say now forever just because you make up the larger population and you're retired and you have enough money that you can spend the time waiting in huge lines to vote. Yeah. Doesn't mean you get to fucking decide everything. Well, that's another thing though, too, is like if you're having a majority rule in like the purest sense of democracy, it actually isn't fair for a lot of groups because let's say you want to talk about an issue as a whole, right? If the whole ends up happening to be more guys to girls and then you have guys you know, caring about one issue, but then sexual harassment and assault's a huge issue for that woman population. Weird example, I know. That's going to show you that it's like men are outnumbering women and therefore like they're they're that minority group who's only affected by this case, not men, of course, yeah. are not having their voices heard because of how democracy is set up. And it's just like they still continue to be affected by these issues. So there's just something inherently flawed with how democracy is. And I think has always been even in as in an idea of itself has been flawed and uh yeah i I don't know the exact solution to fix it i don't either and i still say this as being pro-democracy i think democracy is better than a lot of other things oh of course i agree with that but i'm just trying to say is like the way we've set it up is super flawed i just don't know what the solution is to that neither do i maybe we should find like some democracy advocate (laughs) or not advocate like somebody who has solutions to these things and another thing we have to think about though which i know is like you can get into like corruption and scandals and stuff people still go and vote for these people corruption is like weird and you find that with uh all the people talking about the brazil thing too which is that they try to accuse lula uh, Lula Lula. Silva as being uh, corrupt right when really it's like well he's in jail because of it well i mean he's now out although it's complicated uh, no, they just put a proposal forward because they found out that the judge that sentenced him had a conflict of interest in the case right. and had a bunch of corruption under his belt himself. And so his lawyer is challenging that and is in the process of appeal, like appealing the sentencing. Right. Well, no, it's not. I don't think it's appealing the sentencing. I think it's getting the the uh, charge withdrawn completely because he is out of prison right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. It, it's. Uh, I just don't know if it's like... He might be on house arrest now or something like that, but he's n- out of jail now. That was a thing that I happened. Hope that guy uh, never dies. Like just keep yeah. him. Like I don't his know. voice too. He so sounds old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a. But it's it's just this deep growl kind of voice. Oh, I love when he talks. Yeah, yeah. But I love watching Brazilian politics because they're so fucking dramatic. Even when they were doing the <laughs> impeachment vote for what's her name. Um, Daya, is uh, oh, I, uh, the one that took over the worker, the People's Worker Party. Dilma, Dilma, Dilma yes. Yeah, okay. Even when they were doing the impeachment, you have like, for my family, yeah. right? For the <laughs> Lord, our Savior, yeah. my, and they're screaming it. They're yeah. screaming it to the heavens. There's men fainting after they cast their vote. <laughs> I just love watching it because they're so dramatic. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I'll say about the corruption thing, though, is that like, even if it's the case that like, I guess like the one thing that was coming down on Lula was that he had purchased another residence and it was, uh, it looked like it was like a favor for someone who like donated to the campaign or like some like weird connection things going on there. 
And of course you use that small act of corruption to like, the right is going to like throw like corruption, 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 and call it out and run all these campaigns to get it. And yet when it's the reverse, they'll just like deny their corruption. And I find like the liberals are so weak with like actually fighting corruption compared to like conservatives, like the conservatives will just like bang on it, bang on it. Like no matter what it is, even when it comes to some of the stuff that I don't think Hillary Clinton was actually guilty for, they would just like fight her and fight her and fight her where liberals are so reticent to like fight for these things. So then it's like, and yet, and yet the right, like look at what the Trump administration is doing. Like they're corrupt through and through with the emoluments uh, clause with, uh, yeah, they're making money off this office. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what are what did they try to get him on the Ukrainian thing, which I think was a legit scandal. But it's like in comparison to everything else that they were doing was small fish. Yeah, you know? yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Corruption. It's it's like one of these things that it's a tool that any side can use. It just depends on how you utilize yeah. it. And we need to utilize it better on the left. So, any other thoughts on the state of the primary? Or is that it? Got everything you wanted to say? Just. Uh... Not happy. Yeah, grow up, America. <laughs> just like, let's just get rid of them. Like, America? Yeah, just, just, <laughs> well, coronavirus might just, do that for just us. Just <laughs> annex them. Get rid of it. Like, completely. Yeah. Just send all the people that are quarantined to America. Like, that's... <laughs> the, the, that's <laughs> quarantine all the sick people in America. Unless you're a patron of the show. Uh, American patrons. <laughs> they can seek to- refuge in Canada. Okay, yes. Okay, okay. There you go. So moving on, <laughs> Ezra has on a guest, and it's a change of pace, a, a rather disgusting interview. The guest is named Benjamin Weingarten. Hmm, nice is, name. Yeah. Who is a writer for the far-right website, The Federalist, and just published a book called American Ingrate, Ilhan Omar and the Progressive Islamist Takeover of the Democratic Party. Hmm. Ingrate is a word that Ezra has used several times on his show, since at least since we've been listening, often to talk about immigrants who dare to criticize the country they live in. Hmm. And Ezra begins by saying how Ilhan perfectly fits that narrative. American Ingrate, I have to com- compliment you. That's how she strikes me. Someone who le- left the world's worst country by any measure, Somalia, came to one of the world's best countries, America, was given everything, has high privileges and status, and yet so clearly despises her new home. American ingrate, that's just perfect. Well, Ezra, thanks for having me and uh, appreciate the praise on the title, which I agree really gets to the core of what so irks people about Ilhan Omar, someone who has risen to the height of power in Washington, D.C. as not only a congresswoman who sits on the House Foreign Affairs Committee dealing with her most sensitive national security and foreign policy information, uh, but as well as someone who is the co-chair for Bernie Sanders' campaign in the all-important state of Minnesota in 2020, someone who has put out a battery of bills that Ben Rhodes, the former National Security Council official from the Obama administration, has called the new progressive baseline. And the fact we can't even get basic answers about this alleged, and I think heavily substantiated, issue of marriage fraud associated with potentially marrying her brother, which implicates also immigration issues, perjury, all manner of other crimes as well. Here we go! (laughs) 
Did you know that Ilhan Omar married your brother so that he could immigrate to this country? Mm. Is this news to you? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so this is actually a conspiracy theory that I've heard before. And it's sad to say that Ezra does not push back against this conspiracy theory. Is that sad? Because it's like kind of predictable. uh, Yeah. It's not out of the norm. It's not confusing at all. Well, this is a pretty bad... Like, there are some that he doesn't go for. Like, he's selective of the conspiracy theories. Yeah, the ones about Jewish people. That's (laughs) it. Have you not noticed that? That's literally there's the key theme. Okay, I mean there's I mean but that there are, is the theme to what he chooses. The things that affect him individually, that's what he chooses to stay out of and kind of go. Oh, okay. I don't know. There's some other fringe conspiracy theories on the right that yeah, I haven't you go, seen him adopt. You, well, okay, not adopt, but it doesn't mean if someone's saying it to him, he's not gonna like. He's gonna okay. probably go along with it. But this is worse than that. So not only does he not push back, he plays a clip where he had Kian vexed. Find Ilhan Omar and ask her these questions. How does this guy find them? Because <laughs> he's Kia. Well, this time I don't think he was staking at a gas station. Kia, <laughs> like, like, just stake out there, like, just for months. I swear, just to find these people. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So he's got. I hope they're paying him well because he's probably just been like, <laughs> been like sitting at a gas station <laughs> for like hours on end waiting to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's getting his own show now because like, oh, I was no. glancing at their YouTube. Well, the, his own show within the Rebel Hierarchy because I noticed on the recent clip with him, it had like with Sheila Gunn Reed, it's like the gun show or like whatever, or like the uh, Rebel Roundup with David Menzies in case people didn't know why I called the segment the Imperial Roundup. I just basically stole it from David Menzies. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? But there's a new one for Kian. I can't remember what it is. It's like... Sound the alarm with Kian <laughs> So he's going to get his own show or whatever. And it's just him interviewing people, probably going like... Well, it's him harassing people on the street. That's all. Yeah. And I mean, because here's the thing is you don't want him sitting at a desk. We've heard him speak. He's boring. And so it doesn't make for yeah. good... Uh, he's got those great podcasts. one-liners, though. Like what? Like investigate Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the, part of it is just like his... Uh, <laughs> Especially when his like brain is still thinking on the spot. There's a lot of oh, uh, 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 which doesn't make great radio. Now that I've all subjected <laughs> the audience. To I it. mean, Ezra when he was just talking about this, when he said privilege, it was a like spitting at the mic. <laughs> privilege. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly <laughs> that's why I was a little, chuckling a little. <laughs> uh, it was very plosive. Yeah, because like, what yeah. are you doing? I mean, sometimes I do that too. Like that, that happens. But he, yeah, he sometimes goes at it a bit too hard. But anyways, getting to this claim. This claim was first brought up around 2016 by an anonymous person on a Somali community website. The story goes that Omar was married to someone named Ahmed Hersey in 2002. Mm -hmm. Omar then married her alleged brother, Ahmed Nur Syed Elmi. In 2009, Omar then divorced Elmi in 2017, and then reconciled and remarried Hersey in 2018. Now, the reason why this plays out, because you can tell that she didn't divorce Hersey before apparently marrying this person that's allegedly her brother. And that's because when they were first married, I think it was like 
some sort of Islamic thing. It wasn't recognized in law. Mm. But when they reconciled and remarried in 2018, they like legally got married. They are divorced again, I think, because they're no longer together and she is dating someone else. But Hersey is the father of her three children. Ilmi, who's this other person who's alleged to be her brother, was a UK citizen and allegedly married Ilhan, his quote-unquote sister, to gain US citizenship and to go to North Dakota State University. There are many reasons for why this doesn't make any sense. The first is that her entire family were documented Somali refugees. Okay. And so they have like lists of all the siblings, stuff like that, that were at this refugee camp because the whole family was there. Yeah. And this Elmi person is not listed as one of the family members. If he truly was her brother, he could have gotten PR status and attended the university no problem. They didn't have to commit marriage fraud and do this like yeah. loophole thing. Three, after their divorce, Elmi returned to the UK. So why did he need to break the law to get US citizenship when he was just going to return to the UK after they got divorced? Four, given that Elmi was a UK citizen and had access to tuition-free universities within the EU, why did he need to engage in fraud to pay $250,000 to attend North Dakota State University? <laughs> and five... Because it's America. <laughs> America! Yeah, exactly. North Dakota State University. <laughs> and five, there's no evidence that Elmi even applied for American citizenship or obtained U.S. citizenship even while married to Omar. So why do these rumors continue? Part of the problem is that there is a Islamophobic right-wing community that constantly digs into all these documents and shits and finds like dates and names and starts like weaving these conspiracies together. Yeah. And since the rumors started, they won't give up on it and keep on harassing her. The other part is that there is likely two Omar wanting to not talk about this. If you look at the timeline there, she was with this man, the father of her children. Then they had some sort of separation. She started seeing this other guy from the UK. And then they broke up, got back together. You can see like why... There's probably some romantic history there that she doesn't want public for whatever that might be. Of course. Why would you? Exactly. Especially when your job is so public too. It's like people don't need to know all those right. intimate details, right? Like that's that should stay you know, And divorces separate. are often not pretty. No. So there's reasons to want privacy while going through them. And it's also, it's like, she's not a fucking goddamn celebrity. Like, get over it. Like, we don't need to know the scandals and the gossip and stuff. So, I mean, I don't even think we need to know that about celebrities, but we do anyways, yeah. right? Because it's a whole industry out of that shit. Right. But I don't, it's like, why would anyone want to, who would want to display I'm getting a divorce unless you're talking to your close friends or family and want support from people? Yep. And why would you want to be ridiculed by the public about your own divorce? Right. Because especially women were always like demonized in those situations. Yeah. And she's a woman of color, too. She's also of the Muslim faith. I can just imagine what some people would be saying. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she's getting accusations with the recent uh, boyfriend as well, having to do with, I guess she was he was married to someone else when they started dating or something like this. And so and again, I don't know any of the details. It's just in my search for this information all these like conservative oh, so rumor I don't websites would pop up. Like I just don't fucking care even if that was the case. Like it's her. No, exactly. I don't give a shit either. 
weirdly though the brother thing but even if that happened i know it's like gross and weird but i'm kind of like i don't give a shit like <laughs> they married someone to help them out to get an education yeah that sounds like a fucking horrible thing they did. to get an education at north dakota state university <laughs> no less <laughs> So the, the only other reason that these rumors continue to, to go is that, because you could think, all, all this person has to do is come forward and say, I'm not her brother. Mm-hmm. And so far, he hasn't come out at all to say anything. Yeah. And so... Well, how big of a issue is, like, a, this is my first time ever hearing this, so... People have hunted him down to try to get information out of him. And he's probably like, I didn't ask to be involved in any of this. Yeah. And don't want to deal with it uh he still lives in the uk and i'm guessing still gets asses all the time but refuses to answer and yeah his as sad as it is his refusal to say anything just feeds the the rumor mills yeah where i i kind of like agree with what you're saying it's like who cares and he shouldn't have to say anything yeah because all the other things that i already mentioned you about know, the fact like that right, he's not on the list should these be evidence enough right-wing podcasts are kind of like the equivalent of gossip magazines for yeah. celebrities but for politics really tmz politics yeah that's exactly what this is <laughs> like just a bunch of bullshit stringed together yeah just just sell a product like I a mean, trashy mag yeah and it's sad because, like, these ones, I mean, it would be one thing if that was just it. But, of course, what's coming along here is all the Islamophobia and shit attached to it, right? Because, like, as they go on in the interview with this uh, Benjamin Weingarten individual, they do things, they play all the clips of her saying, so have you ever seen the clip where she says that, uh, refers to 9-11 as this thing that happened? Mm-hmm. And a lot of right-wing people, like, lost their mind over it. Because, like, it wasn't just a thing. It wasn't just a thing. And it's, like, in the context of what she said, she was talking about how Muslims were treated in the atmosphere, or in the uh, aftermath of what happened by saying that just because some Muslims did something doesn't mean, like, all of us are bad, right? Like, that was the context in what she was saying. But because she referred to it as something... That is that is evidence that she's really a Al-Qaeda secret plant in the government trying to destroy all of us. Now, I'm going to play a longish clip just to highlight the kind of like scattershot nature of this interview, but also the weird narrative that Ben is trying to paint with his book. And what I argue in the book is that really this sort of switch that has happened in the Democratic Party, and it is encapsulated in the issue of Israel and those who purport to be anti-Zionist, when in reality, they're Jew haters. Israel is sort of the proxy for a whole host of other issues as to where the Democratic Party has shifted. You're absolutely right. Nancy Pelosi caved first when the Democrat-controlled House would not censure Ilhan Omar by name and for her invocation of anti-Semitic tropes specifically. And it even started before that, as you noted, when Pelosi made a deal with the devil, with the progressives, and put Ilhan Omar on that House Foreign Affairs Committee in the first place. And as to the question of why, I think it is twofold. There's a part of this which is sort of cynical, ideological, uh, and partisan, which deals with the fact that Ilhan Omar and those like her represent sort of the personification of the multiculturalist, intersectionalist identity politics 
grievance-based victimology part of the Democratic Party. They stand sort of as at the highest point on that privilege or anti-privilege hierarchy. And so there's a political reason why Democrats believe in promoting Ilhan Omar and her acolytes. And then there's also the fact that the Muslim population in America votes or self-identifies at about two-thirds or more Democrats. It's a substantially growing population. And if you think the views on Israel and Jewish people generally are odious, then I think you have to consider, and I make this case in the book, that Democrats are basically trading Jewish votes for Muslim votes. Muslim votes will be a growth industry for the Democratic Party, and increasingly the Jewish vote for Democrats is likely going to decline or become de minimis. And what I argue in the book extensively is that the forgotten person in all of this is Barack Obama. Barack Obama, over eight years years paved the way for Ilhan Omar's radical rhetoric, her radical policies, her associations with all manner of Islamists and other radicals, both foreign and domestic. He's the forgotten player in all this, and he hasn't gotten his due, but in my book, I give him his due. The thing about Nancy Pelosi is the fact that they tried to publicly condemn her for her... They tried to publicly condemn Ilhan Omar for her supposedly anti-Semitic comments, which I would argue were not, in fact, anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm but critical of Israel. And of course, they talk about uh, her relationship with Bernie Sanders, but never try to assess how this supposedly anti-Semitic person is campaigning for the first Jewish president of the United States. Yeah. But uh, there you have it. And the thing is, like, they did try... I mean, they're painting this picture that somehow Ilhan Omar represents the Democratic establishment. And if that were the case... The campaign that she is endorsing wouldn't be losing to Joe Biden right now. Yeah. But then also, you wouldn't have had the movement to censor her and kick her off of her campaign, uh, or not or committee appointment. You wouldn't have those movements if the Democratic establishment actually approved of her. Like, she's had to fight a lot against that narrative. And the only reason why Nancy Pelosi and them backed off was because President Trump, in front of an audience of his fan base, told her to go home where his chance, his audience started chanting, send her back. Like, that's the only reason Nancy Pelosi and them walked off, because they realized we don't want to look like Donald Trump in this moment. Yeah. So it's, like, weird that they try to conflate this whole, like, she's a part of the Democratic establishment, and all, all the Democratic establishment cares about is this identity pyramid and the hierarchy, and, like, she's a anti-privilege to the max so therefore she gets all the praise they're like projecting their own fantasies of what they think the world is like yeah then there was the thing about the jewish votes and that is weird to me because jewish people tend to vote democratic as well Mm -hmm. and there's no evidence that they're en masse leaving the democratic party like he claims that they are but then there's also just this like What's not explicitly said in this moment is that he's basically saying that supporting Muslims is the equivalent of being anti-Jewish. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. There's nothing about what Ilhan Omar is doing and her, again, campaigning for a Jewish president has anything to do with being anti-Jewish. This talk just drives me crazy. I mean, I mentioned in the last episode that we recorded this day about my fighting the pro-Israel issues, even within the NDP. It's just weird to associate anti-Semitism with the state. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, there was the one last little bit that Ben said in that clip, which is that apparently all of this is Obama's fault 
And as you notice in the clip, that's all he mentions. And he doesn't explain why it's all Obama's fault, except that Obama got his due in his book. <laughs> well, probably because they all think Obama's a Muslim. That is it. That is my guess, is that if you read this book, there's going to be secret Muslim bullshit. Even though he's not. No. He is not. <laughs> there's that one picture of him at a madrasa, though. And where's his birth certificate? Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But I wonder, like, why he didn't lean into that. I mean, if... I think what they're really trying to get at is, like, oh, no, minorities in our government. And Obama was the first. Therefore, he's led way to all these extremists coming and wanting to take our positions. Yep. As rightful white men. That's that's exactly it. That's the only argument I can think of is, like, we let a secret Muslim be in charge and look what's happening now. Yeah. Which, if anything, if you ask the people, I'm guessing if you ask Ilhan Moore, Ilhan Omar, and she's not in her political mode, she would tell you that Barack Obama didn't go far enough and he's not a progressive. I guarantee you, yeah. if you get her in secret to ask her that, she would say that. She might even say it in public, but I doubt it because there's obvious political movements that she has to do. Yeah. But anyways, that's it with the Ilhan Omar stuff. I was just... I don't like you are right that I shouldn't be surprised, but sometimes there's a moment that just hits you and it's like, oh my God, they're talking Honestly, about these conspiracy theories. Nothing surprises me. Like you, every time you say something, I'm like, yeah. But you know, cause like where I could, I, I could actually <laughs> be on the rebel. I think I would be really good because I know all these talking points because I grew up with them. You can That's, be a diversity hire. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> they need women. All they have is Sheila. Yeah, I mean, Sheila can hang out and shoot some guns, go to the range. Yeah. But I feel like I could be good. Like, I can bullshit, for sure. You got it. I'll call up Ezra. We'll get to (laughs) send him an application. It'd be very easy. But then I'll, like, uh, work my way in and then ask them, like, a question that contradicts all their thinking. (laughs) Watch their heads implode. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. March 5th. The entire episode on the 5th is another interview with the CPC leadership candidate. This time with, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Jim Karyalos. Karyalos? Karyalos. I don't know who this is. I don't know either. He's from Cambridge. Yay, boring. (laughs) That's my hometown. That's where I grew up, for the listeners who don't know. So right out of the gate, Jim praises Ezra saying he covers everything the mainstream media doesn't. I'm like, oh, this is where this interview is going. We have a rebel fan who's running for the leadership of the conservative party. Hmm. They then talk about Jim's history of fighting the carbon tax. They also talk about his wife, who is currently the MPP of the conservatives for the Cambridge writing. So she is the MPP for my parents. And I haven't mentioned this for the last two candidates they had on, but everyone seems to really not like Aaron O'Toole, who is also running. Isn't he leading? He might be. Yeah, it's either him or Peter McKay. And Aaron O'Toole, I think, is leading. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I think Peter McKay at one time was leading, so maybe it's, like, going back and forth. The problem seems to be that Aaron is what they call a red Tory in disguise. Mm. So a red Tory... Is I, I from what I get because I've never heard this framing before until listening to this. A red Tory is kind of like being a secret liberal that you're running for the conservatives, but you're really liberal. Okay. As opposed to being blue Tories who are true blue conservatives. Mm-hmm. So they see someone like Peter McKay 
as being a red Tory. But the difference is that Aaron keeps talking like a blue Tory, and none of these more blue Tories think it's authentic. So they feel like Aaron O'Toole is trying to pretend to be a blue Tory to win votes when really he's a red Tory. Yeah. Where they respect, I mean, they hate Peter McKay, but they least respect him for being who he is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So my guess is this is going to be a common thing coming up if Aaron O'Toole is going to be the one who who takes the cake. But all three, Leslin Lewis, uh, Derek Sloan, and now this Jim person, they... They all seem to really hate Aaron O'Toole. I don't care about pronouncing the names of people I don't like. I have my own difficult name that no one can pronounce. He then uh, uses this opportunity to talk about how Christians are being persecuted. Biggest concern with what's going on here is Richard Dakari, Andrew Scheer. You know, I saw people from Aaron O'Toole's team target Andrew Scheer for his Catholic faith, the way he was raised, the way he raised his family. I didn't grow up in a home like Andrew Scheer did, overtly Christian, but you know, there's a double standard where you've got a guy like Walid Solomon, who's the campaign chair of Aaron O'Toole, who in 2007 in the Globe and Mail advocated for Sharia law in, in, in banking in Canada and Ontario, two years after Dalton McGuinty said, we're against Sharia law in Ontario, liberal premier Dalton McGuinty. No one asks the question if that's acceptable of Aaron O'Toole or Walid Solomon, but if you're a Catholic or a Christian, mm-hmm. it's a consistent targeting of questions where Evan Solomon will spend 11 minutes in an interview mm-hmm. talking about the biology of sex and not talking about the issues that matter to Canadians. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Trans rights are not issues that are important at all. What we need to know is why a member of Aaron O'Toole's staff wants Sharia Bank. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't know what it is. What we, like what? Banking. But under Sharia law. Banking, but make it Sharia. It's sneaking It's sneaking in Sharia through the back door. <laughs> <laughs> First they get you with the bank. And then all of a sudden you get, you get everything. The Sharia package. I don't understand this. You don't need to understand it. Like, is I mean, there different all, banking all... principles? I don't understand it. <laughs> Maybe. But all the audience needs to hear is Sharia. I don't even think, because Jim not once explains what Sharia banking is. He does mention it several times in this interview. That was the first mention, but he does mention it several times. And not once does he offer an explanation of what it is, but Sharia banking. It is amazing to me how much, because this, from what I understood from his answer is he doesn't even identify as a Christian. He just feels as a conservative, that Christians are just receiving the brunt end of all these questions. Like, I think at one point it goes on about the, like, uh, is it, or is being gay a choice thing? They bring that up again. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, they're just trying to get gotcha questions on Christians kind of like attitude, right? Where it's like, I don't know, maybe people care about these issues. Maybe people care about trans issues, you know? And, and it's funny that those are the things that they see as attacks on Christian. Gay rights and trans rights are attacks on Christians, apparently. A few of the other things that come up in this interview is that Jim also says that he wants Maxime and Celine back into the party. <laughs> Caitlin's wide eyes says it all. The rest of the interview is about campaign practicalities, like having to have the money to win the election. And Ezra doesn't think that Jim is going to get a sufficient amount of funding to take this campaign anywhere. But yeah, Sharia banking. Yikes. <laughs> March 6th. Ezra is mad today. 
because of a recent CBC article saying police are not probing recent train derailments. Ezra uses this as an opportunity to form conspiracy theories about the rail blockades, but he ignores the rest of the headline of the article. So he just says, police not probing recent rail disasters, and then starts going on about how this is obviously the fault of the West West West. And yet the next line of the headline is, so say it again, police not probing recent rail disasters, crude oil derailments, deaths for possible negligence which obviously has nothing to do with Wet'suwet'en. This is framed in the article as largely a corporate malfeasance issue in that the RCMP does not have jurisdiction over rail incidents. That lies with the Transportation Safety Board. But they don't. the Transportation Safety Board doesn't have the ability to press charges uh, for negligence. In fact, several people in the article, some of whom have lost family members in train mm-hmm. derailments, criticize the government for intervening when it comes to the Wet'suwet'en. Mm-hmm. But they don't seem to intervene when it involves corporations and their negligence. Mm-hmm. And they have a problem with this. Yeah. Ezra, at first, doesn't mention any of this. Instead, he argues that police aren't doing enough to stop the blockades and wants to remind his audience that the indigenous people have AK-47s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to wonder, like, where, where did they get these from? Well, that was from uh, the premier of Quebec who just said it out loud with no evidence. Yeah, no, I know. There still has been no evidence. But that's all it takes is one guy to say something really fucking stupid in a position of power for all the right-wing idiots to take it and run with it. Ezra then plays a clip of Kian talking about how this is the fifth train derailment in 30 days, which sounds like a lot. But there have been more than 10,000 train derailments between 2004 and 2019. Hmm. And that would almost be equivalent to two train derailments every single day. <laughs> so five five derailments in 30 days is actually not that surprising. Yeah. The only reason it feels surprising is because it is in the news right now with these blockades. Yeah. So therefore now now any train derailment that happens from now until the end of this issue is always gonna be like, what about the blockades? Right? Oh, I'm so done. Yeah, yeah. But Ezra finally catches up with the article and realizes that what it is really asking is why the companies aren't being investigated. And then he says a bunch of shit. Got it. So this huge story on the CBC is about railway employees who the CBC thinks are criminals. And the CBC is really mad that they haven't been investigated. And they say the police have absolutely cleared the blockades. Don't believe your lying eyes. Let me read this next part. It's incredible. The RCMP, OPP, Toronto Police, or Hamilton Police, all of which helped clear recent rail blockades, couldn't point to a single case over 20 years where they used their authority to probe a railway crash or fatality. Hey guys, don't believe your lying eyes. No, no, no. These protesters, they didn't do it. Believe Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster. Police totally took down that blockade, guys. You can see it right there. See that big red flaming snowball? That's a snowball. Police totally came in and took out that burning snowball, guys. The CBC literally said the police helped clear the blockades. I, I like that. They, they helped clear. That's, that's classic. Um, yeah, they helped. They helped by staying in their toasty warm police cars 
while severely normal Albertans cleared this one in Alberta, we have literally had five derailments in a month, the month of railway blockades. And the CBC is outraged that the RCMP aren't investing the railroads themselves for a derailment that happened years ago on some other matter. That's their big focus. Ezra is trying to tell his audience that the RCMP and OPP are doing nothing about these rail blockades. And this completely ignores every single arrest across this country, including the one that happened recently in Tyanandaga, yeah. in which the OPP like, violently them. cracked down on yeah. that blockade. That wasn't even a blockade. It was like close to the rail. And Ezra, again, has never at all mentioned any of that on his show whatsoever. So he can pretend to his audience that none of these arrests are happening, none of these uh, blockades have been taken down, and yet we have clear evidence that that's not the case. Yeah. Of course, it hasn't been across the board. Some blockades haven't been taken down, others have. But he can just lie to his audience and say that, no, they haven't been taken down at all. Ezra then proceeds to claim, and I guess this is going to be a content warning aspect of the part, of this podcast and uh, I don't even know perfectly how to proceed with this, but we're going to because they brought it up. Ezra proceeds to claim that Frank, Frank Alec, who's Chief Woos, beat his wife. Okay. Now, there is evidence for this. Uh, there is a newspaper for the local a area citing a clan sentencing against a Frank J. Alec. And this is the same initials for Chief Woos. Mm -hmm. As per the news article, the assault took place in 1998, and then clan, the clan sentence took place in 1999. Okay. There is a lot about the news article which Ezra does not mention, but he begins by stating that he received nine months for this action, this assault. What Ezra doesn't mention is that the point of the clan sentencing was to focus on more restorative justice and rehabilitative criminal justice actions. Yeah, but I, I kind of agree with Ezra on this. In what sense? I don't think, yeah, that's not good. Well, we'll get to it in a second. I just want to lay out all the facts first. Okay. So he went through this uh, rehabilitative restorative justice procedure, and Frank's wife was present during this. I don't know whether or not they are still married. Well, I still don't know whether or not this actually is the same Frank Alec. We'll just leave it at that. But if it is the same Frank Alec, I'm not sure if they're still married or not. But she was present during the proceedings and took part in the sentencing and also thanked those president, present for how things went. So she thanked the clan that was involved in the sentencing, but also the legal helps that were present during this proceedings. The nine-month sentence was served in the community rather than in prison, and he was given a curfew and certain conditions. So there are several thoughts I have about this, if this is the same Frank Alec. I actually do think that these kind of restorative and rehabilitative models of criminal justice are far better for society, especially when they include the victim. Sure, that's fine. That's not the problem that I'm having with this. I'm guessing the problem, which is the problem that I have, is that that doesn't necessarily mean he should be a chief. Exactly. And I think that's true. And I think that's an important thing to consider in all of this, if it is in fact true. Mm -hmm. Which again, I am hypercritical of <laughs> Ezra. But if they happen to break this story, if they did, then that's what it is. Yeah. But I also get frustrated that this is being used, given that 
the poverty and other structural problems in these communities, which are largely the result of government and corporate malfeasance, may play a contributing role to these kind of violent behaviors and other aspects that could happen in a community, only to have them then thrown in their face when they are fighting for their rights in some circumstances. Of course, that doesn't mean that he necessarily should have a position of power, but it's it reminds me of Ezra focusing in on the one person who was on the blockade who had a criminal possession charge for marijuana, right? It's like if they can find the thing, they're going to use it to yeah, but, the person. Yeah, that's definitely their take, but it is a problem. It is a problem. I'm, I'm basically done. If you wanted to expand on your, given that you, I, I sense that you have some things that you could say to it. No, it's just, it's, you shouldn't really have people in power or having like a strong community say, like, it's fine that, like, I'm not saying the guy has to, like, be impoverished or, like, be in jail. Uh, that's what he did, whatever. No, it's not whatever. It's a big deal. But um, I don't think people should be holding positions of power if they're going to go around beating people. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's, it, does, it does suck. I mean, like, here's the thing is there's tons of other people that could replace him either. It's not like this community is deficient of strong leaders or strong female leaders that could take his place. There is one thing, though, that bugs me about this. Which is like another side thing, which is I, I do feel in a way this is doing an injustice to Frank's wife or ex-wife, as the case may be, since it would be relevant to hear what she thinks and feels mm-hmm. about uh, Frank's new title or whether she felt justice was served 20 years ago when this happened. If indeed this is the same Frank Alec, I should feel like I should repeat. But yeah, and part of that is because everything that you're saying is true and I agree with it. But at the same time, like, I feel like the way, and like, it comes across different, of course, when you listen to the show, but the way Ezra and Kian in the segment are using this is very, feels exploitative as yeah. well, right? And uh, Navi, like, I wish these things, I guess what I'm saying is I wish it wasn't them that brought this to light, if that, yeah. if that makes sense. Not that it like definitely matters either way, but for one, they get to feel like these moral crusaders at the expense of, of a lot of things that they want to do that are immoral, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just this really awkward and difficult situation. This just came out on, on Friday as we recorded this. So mm-hmm. my guess is this is going to be a coming theme, which is not going to be fun to cover. Yeah. Now the interview segment is weird and I don't know what to think about it. He has on someone named Ali Tagba who went to McGill for labor studies mm-hmm. and was the president of Richmond Hill NDP for their writings association, and then co-founded the mostly right-wing online site, The Post Millennial. I know this person. Now, he left The Post Millennial recently. I know. And Ezra has him on the show to talk about his new company, Zoo Crypto Networks Incorporated. And he's... <laughs> I know who this is, yeah. I'm curious, I'm going to finish what I'm going to say, and then I'm really curious, because like he spends part of the interview talking about blockchain, which I know has something to do with cryptocurrencies. I don't know too much about that, just giving Neither do I. That, that's, that's the, uh, I mean, given that there's crypto in the name, this is why I'm also connecting the cryptocurrency angle, but he doesn't discuss cryptocurrencies in the interview. What they kind of discuss is like, I guess their company offers programs 
that like prevent large data companies from taking your data somehow. Yeah. But I couldn't follow it. But he was kind of like selling their products, which was weird because Ezra doesn't really have guests on his show that are promoting a product. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why is this guy here? And it just felt like a weird infomercial. But even if it was an infomercial, I didn't leave feeling like I understood why I needed the product. <laughs> so I'm just like, so where, why have you heard this person? Because they're from Richmond Hill. Oh. That's where I grew up. So how, do you just know him from like... I saw him, like I've seen him on Twitter or things like that, yeah. Well, are you going to invest in Zoo Crypto Networks no. Incorporated? no. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's weird. He's never done a segment like that. Like it had no, like there was barely any politics in it. It was just like, I have this company and we do this. And most of it was like, maybe he did say things that were really important, just way above my head. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dig into cryptocurrency and blockchain and all that nonsense. I have no clue. Normally we were going to do a good news segment, but I think we decided that the world is burning in hell and uh, we don't really have any good news. Yeah. <laughs> Got anything to say to the world, Caitlin? It fucking sucks. Yeah, it fucking sucks. So uh, and good news later. For now, uh, have some moments to just dwell in the uncertainty and chaos of the universe and uh, appreciate that someday it will all end. <laughs> Hopefully it'll end when you're 80 and you've lived a nice, full existence. Life is bleak. Yeah. (laughs) Remember to uh, wash your hands. Don't cough on people. And uh, vote Bernie while you still can. (laughs) If you enjoyed what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over at patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have an Instagram account, News Imperial. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And train fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Oh my gosh. Train 11 was an inside job. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.